Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. It's mailbag time. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Saturday, March 20th. Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers. Gave Scott White the podcast off because, frankly, he is working too hard. What's going on, Chris? How are you holding up? Yeah, Fantasy? I guess I'm not. I guess I'm not working too hard. <laughs> That's fine. It's okay. We gave you the past couple of podcasts off as well. Come on, Chris. One. One. Just one. I think we gave you two, didn't we? It was two, but there was another one in between. Maybe two in between. Don't, don't, don't besmirch my good name. I'm a hard worker. You are a hard worker, as is Scott White. You guys are both hard work. How are you holding up, Chris? Because fantasy baseball draft season is here. You're writing a ton of content there. You're also doing fantasy football content simultaneously. So how are you holding yeah. up? Yeah, I've been writing the Fantasy Football Today newsletter uh, every day this week for free agency. I uh, thought there would be more news than there has been, so it's actually required weirdly it's required me to do more work because there's been less news. Cause now I'm like, well, I got to justify this newsletter's existence somehow. Uh, you know, I, I can't just do a newsletter about John Brown signing. So, uh, but yeah, subscribe to the fantasy football today newsletter. There's a reason for it to exist. I think it's good. Subscribe to the Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter as well. CBSSports.com slash newsletters. Took the words right out of my mouth. Look at this guy. Professional. You can honestly sign up for all the CBS Sports newsletters. There's an HQ one that gives you a bunch of betting picks as well if you're into that kind of thing. But of course, the Fantasy Football and the Fantasy Baseball newsletters as well. Today on the pod, of course, it's Mailbag. We'll answer your Apple Podcast review questions. We got some emails. And we have a new replacement for regulators Adam has gone to the, the fantasy cops on the fantasy football side of things, so we'll have some of that later on. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for sending in your emails. We have so, so many. I'm trying to answer them individually outside of the podcast as well uh, because you have questions, and we are we are trying to give you answers. Let's jump into these Apple, Apple Podcast review questions first, Chris, and we will start from Beast Asaurus. Just took over a, a dynasty team with a... Miners roster? Okay, thanks. There's no chance I could win this year and probably not next year. What type of trade package do you think would be fair for my Trevor Bauer? I think his trade value may be at its highest currently. It's funny you bring that up, Bisasaurus, because I wrote about, I think it was six or eight sell-high candidates in Dynasty back in, I want to say October or November, a long time ago, and Trevor Bauer was one of them. Given the volatility we've seen in years past, obviously he's coming off a sub two ERA. He just won the Cy Young. Selling high, that's the, the concept here, is, is I think what you're looking at. I don't know that his value will ever be higher, Chris. So I actually agree with trying to sell Bauer now if you are rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to see Trevor Bauer have the, the flashy eye-popping ratios like he did last season again. And he is a 30-year-old starting pitcher who's logged a lot of innings, so... You know, the, those guys are healthy until they're not. Um, and, you know, it's possible that, you know, his injury risk is probably increasing every year. And, you know, I think he'll be good this year. I think I have him as my SP6. So I'm not necessarily down on Trevor Bauer. But, yeah, if you're looking to sell and you don't, like, it doesn't sound like there's any reason for this guy to hang on to him. Um, then, yeah, I think right now is the the perfect time to sell in a dynasty league. And... You know, the, the the kind of package I think you're probably looking for, I, I think you're probably, like, obviously, if you could get uh, Andrew Vaughn or Julio Rodriguez or Spencer, Torker, Spencer Tol- Torkelson, one of those really high-end guys, um, Jared Kalenic, you know, you do that. 
if you have the opportunity, obviously. But, you know, it might be harder to get some of the guys who are right on the cusp of making the major leagues. And so I think you can't afford to be um, a little more patient and look for guys who are a, a little less um, 2021 relevant. So, you know, maybe you're thinking about CJ Abrams, Austin Martin, Marco Luciano. Um, Bobby Witt would have been one of those guys, but, you know, uh, he's had like nine really good spring games. So I guess he's not anymore. Um, I would look at Scott White's top 100 prospects and just kind of try to identify some guys who are in the, um, you know, the top 20 who, you know, are, are probably going to be in double A AA or triple A this year rather than making their major league debut. And, you know, see if you can get at least one of those. And, you know, I think you probably want at least another top 100 prospect, maybe more. Yeah, if you're not going to compete this year or next year, and you know that, it sounds like you probably need quantity of prospects. I don't know that sure that yeah. you'll that you'll be able to get a Torkelson. Of course, try it if you can. I mean, shoot high. That doesn't it doesn't yeah. hurt. But uh, I think trying to get a a package of either prospects or young players, if you can get even you know some youngish starting pitchers, uh, you know Ian Anderson, if it's possible. I don't know yeah. if it's possible. Jesus Lazardo, names like that. Even uh, on the lower end, if you can get a, a like an Aaron Savale and a prospect. Some kind yeah. of package like that together. That, that's something I would be looking. Yeah, to do. I, th- I think the point about you know when you're looking three years in the future now, realistically, maybe two. Um, you know, the point about looking for quantity is is an important one. And you know, given the the attrition rate of even very good prospects, you know, you're looking at probably half of top twenty prospects probably busting as major leaguers. Um, you know, it's also possible that you might want to target like four guys who are, you know, top 150 prospects, maybe. Um, and, you know, making one of those guys, one of those like 17 year olds who, you know, could make a big leap. I don't have any off the top of my head right now, unfortunately, because uh, my prospect knowledge only goes so deep. I'm sure Scott's got some. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some in this year's first year player draft. Wilman Diaz, some middle yep. infielders. Uh, Carlos, I think it's Carlos Colmenares is one of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, those guys are super far away. They're middle infielders, seventeen years old. So uh, if you want to if you want to take more throws at the dartboard, sure, why not? This next one's from Plumster twenty seven. Was wondering if you guys were going to do a show on the underdog best ball drafts. It's a lot of fun to do and requires no work from the player once the team is drafted. So this is a lot like best ball fantasy football, which I'm sure you're aware of, Chris. Uh, but it's you draft your team and you do nothing else. It's They give you points all season long based on your weekly scoring optimal lineup. So yep. I don't have the best ball scoring format in front of me. But one thing that I have always done when I've played in fantasy baseball best ball drafts is if you do not have to take relief pitchers or closers, if you just have to take pitcher spots, I do not draft a single closer because we talk about how volatile the position is. I mean, year in and year out from a week to week basis, you don't know what's going to happen. So if I can just skip all closers and just take as many starting pitchers as I can on my best ball teams, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, I saw, you know, I'm in a couple of best ball drafts. One is a like weird best ball dynasty league where we're drafting 50 players and it's 30 teams and it's just we're like 700 picks in and we're barely halfway done. It's, it's wild. Um, <laughs> but we, we were all in uh Raz slam, I think all three of us. And uh, that's a best ball draft. And uh, I saw Andy Barron's from Yahoo had a really interesting approach to that draft. I think he drafted 15 straight starting pitchers starting in like, I don't know. I think it might've been like the 14th round or something. It's a super deep draft. Um, and that, I, I think, quantity over quality actually makes a lot of sense in a best ball format because there are going to be weeks where Trevor Bauer makes one start and gives up four runs and isn't one of your starters. There's probably going to be three or four of those weeks. Whereas in you know your regular league, you're just starting him no matter what. In a best ball league, he's not going to count for those. So... um you know, there are going to be probably 10 or 12 weeks where 
even someone who we don't think is necessarily great, like Zach Davies, is worth starting. So uh, that's one where I think not paying for pitcher in best ball is probably the way to go. And if I am reading this correctly, this is an article from RotoWire breaking down the underdog fantasy scoring. You do not have to draft. You do not have to draft catchers. It's just okay. That's it's great. it's positionless hitters. So obviously, just volume is going to matter so much more. And and they talk about that here as well. So players who hit near the top of lineups. Obviously, yeah. you're going to have more plate appearances, so that will give you more volume. That's what I would be looking at in this format. And you don't have to start relief pitchers either. So again, I'm not drafting any closers there. Even what you might consider a fringy starting pitcher. You mentioned Zach Davies. This article uses Ryan Yarbrough as an example. That's another one yeah. there. Just don't draft closers. There's too much volatility there. Uh, that is if you are playing in best ball leagues. This one's from Ha Ha Ha. Had to go all the way back to December to get a prospects episode. Can we get a new one? Well... That one was with the Welsh and Scott, and it was a great podcast, by the way. And I will just point out that not much has changed since December in terms of prospects. And anything that has changed, we have talked about on the podcast a ton. So anything regarding Bobby Witt and Andrew Vaughn, we have talked about that a ton recently. So uh, I don't know what you're talking about, man. What's the deal with Marco Luciano? Should I be using my number one minor league draft pick on him? Well, of course, I guess uh, I mean, it depends who else is available. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He's not the number one hitting prospect in baseball. I think Scott has him like fifth in he, his top 100 prospects. He has him 12th. Um, 12th. Okay. So, you know, if if Julio Rodriguez is available, you shouldn't draft Marco Luciano, but he is a very good prospect. Um, so, you know, I, I think... It just depends on who else is available, but um, you know there is a chance that he's up. This you know, that that also should factor in. He he should be relatively close. It's it's always hard to say with guys who were uh, far away in 2019 how much they developed in 2020 playing at the alternate sites. Whether their teams are viewing that as like okay, he got a new level, we can jump him up two levels now. Um, you know, that that's hard to answer. I will just quickly remind people who Scott has higher than Marco Luciano in his rankings. That would be Wander Franco with the Rays, Mackenzie Gore with the Padres, Jared Kelnick with the Seattle Mariners, Spencer Torkelson with the Tigers, Julio Rodriguez with the Mariners, Andrew Vaughn with the White Sox, Adley Rutschman with the Orioles. That's that's kind and, of questionable. Uh, Marco Luciano is one for 18 with 13 strikeouts in 19 plate appearance in this spring. So I don't think he's going to force his way up yet. And he's only 19 years old. So that shouldn't be surprising. Uh, he had a 981 OPS in 47 games between low A and rookie in 2019. So, you know, it's possible we see him in double A this year. And then look, once a player hits double A, you know, they they could be an injury away at any point. That's always the way I view it. It's not necessarily all players will get called up from double A, but that's when you start putting them on, you know, the call up radar. Yeah, it's possible. I, I think we probably won't see Luciano up this year, but anything could happen. He's only 19 years old. Um, yeah. I would argue with Scott's ranks. I would have Luciano ahead of Adley Rutschman, but I know that Scott likes to rank guys who are closer in proximity to the majors uh, higher in his prospect yeah. rankings. And, you know, there's the catcher of it all. Like Adley Rushman could be up this season as a catcher. So it's still like, it's possible he steps on the field and is the best catcher in fantasy. It's unlikely. Um, but you know, I, that, that position scarcity, that is one the really catcher is the only one where it really matters. This next one is from Chris's cat. I mean, I, are your cats around right now, Chris? I'm not going to tell you to grab your cat and bring him on screen, but David Bowie is here. Or sorry, I did. I had this mistake earlier. Liz Lemon is here. David Bowie is, I believe, uh, the last text I received from my wife. She's hiding under our bed while the dog is trying to play with her, and which, she doesn't want any part of that. Which of your cats is your favorite, or can you not say out loud because they're listening? Um, <laughs> I'm not just saying this because Liz Lemon's in the room, but her and I have a very special relationship. I love all of my. Uh, <laughs> children equally but Liz Lemon 
uh, she cuddles in my arms every night while we sleep. I hold her like a teddy bear. It's the cutest thing in the world. So, you know, there, there's a special bond there. All right. So let's actually answer the question from Chris's cat. What do you think of Garrett Crochet in a standard five by five Roto League with saves plus holds instead of saves? Could he be a potential Devin Williams type this season with the White Sox using him later in games? Garrett Crochet was a first round pick in 2020 and then he debuted last year which is crazy because yeah. I mean you very rarely see that happen especially in a shortened season uh, but you know he was a lot of fun to watch pitch he only pitched six innings but eight strikeouts not a single walk throws extremely hard 99 100 miles per hour and Chris I think you wrote about Alex Reyes this year kind of being that swingman type role yeah. and how he has value in fantasy I don't know that crochet will be a swingman type but I do think that he can be really valuable because of the ratios and strikeouts that he provides. Yeah, I um, I guess the yeah the question is what what's the usage going to be? Because he was not a full time starter in college. Uh, he was used as a reliever last season. He's had some arm troubles uh, in recent years, including right at the end of last season. I think he. I don't know if he left the the last game of the season. With an injury, but he, he definitely had something. Uh, I think with he his did arms. in the postseason. I think it happened. Yeah. So there's um, you know, it, it, it's possible he may only be like a sixty inning mid reliever guy, or he could be like you mentioned that Alex Reyes guy. And um, I wrote last week about how non closer relievers can be more valuable than ever this season, and specifically guys who could get to ninety to hundred innings, like Alex Reyes. Uh, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, who should also start. Um, I really like like filling out my pitching staff with those kind of guys now. Um, Crochet, you know, I I would expect he'll be a lower inning guy than those, but you know, if they're trying to stretch him out, maybe um, you know, maybe they do let him you know throw two to three innings at least occasionally. Um, I'm trying to look back. I, I'm I'm sure uh, the White Sox don't have the. They certainly don't have the same manager, and they don't. They probably don't have the same front office. I'm not sure, but you know, looking back at when Chris Sale made a similar jump uh, as a very young pitcher, they pretty much just used him as a regular reliever. Uh, 71 innings in 2011 in 58 games. So there were some multi-inning outings, but uh, for the most part in 2011, he was just a straight reliever and occasional closer. And then he went to 192 innings the next year. So, you know, there, there's, there's some precedent for that. And that I would guess that's more like his role this year. But in a saves plus holds league, he could be really good. Mm-hmm. We've said this repeatedly in saves plus holds. You really just want to draft dominant relievers on good teams. And that's exactly what I think yeah. Garrett Crochet is going to be. Yeah. He made- The problem is he might be third in line, maybe fourth in line for saves. I think definitely no more than third. I would guess Aaron Bummer's ahead of him. Yeah, Bummer would be, and I I mean, Kopex is going to be in the bullpen to start the year. I don't know yeah, how... I see him being a dominant closer if, if they decide to leave him there. Yeah, I, so I don't know what the pecking order will be in terms of like sixth, seventh, eighth inning type roles, yeah. but I assume Bummer will be the eighth, Liam Hendricks will be in the ninth, and then yeah. some kind of combination of crochet or um, who's the guy I just brought up? Michael Kopech and Kopech, yeah. Ronaldo Lopez or Carlos Rodon could be in the rota- in the bullpen as well. Yeah, so keep that in mind. Um, Crochet did make five appearances last year. One of them was a multi-inning appearance. He pitched for two innings, so there's a chance that we can see him used that way again this year as well. This next one is from Whiskey Tango Ten. Hi Terry, Larry, and Austin. Hmm. Terry, Larry, and Austin. Oh, uh, hold on. Let me see if they're. I mean, I am. Thought I had. Was, I'm very bad uh, at these, and I, I admit it. So that makes it okay. Yeah. The the thought <laughs> I had was WWE. Terry Hogan, but no, that doesn't make any sense. Don't listen to me. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that one. Well, because it would. Why would it be Terry Hogan and then Steve Austin? Why yeah. would it be his last name? Yeah. So don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Someone please tell me. I'm sure it's obvious. This always happens where we don't know what it is. And someone's like, oh, it was the Detroit Tigers starting pitching staff in their 1981 World Series win or 
whatever year they won. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think of people alive. named Terry, and I'm getting like Terry Collins, Terry Francona, Terry Rozier, Austin, Austin Meadows, Terry Rozier, Larry Bird, and Austin Rivers. There you go. There you go. We got it. I already had the number one pick in a head-to-head category league with walks and quality starts as extra categories. I traded some picks, and I now have picks one and two, but I have no second, third, or ninth round picks. How would you handle having the first two picks in a head-to-head categories league? Would you go Acuna and Tatis, Soto and Tatis, Acuna and DeGrom? Oh, man. I think... So of the the big five hitters, Acuna, Trout, and Soto are the ones who should walk the most. Uh, Acuna saw that big spike in his walk rate last season. I I think Trout is probably, you know, he might lead the league in walks. So I think you have to consider him there. I didn't um, didn't Soto walk more than Trout last year? Just like, I think in terms so, of walk but- rate. Yeah, I, I think his walk rate was around twenty percent last season, which is. 21%. Incredibly high. 21% uh, for Soto. And he's been 16% in his career before, so he walks a ton. Um, Take Juan Soto and Jacob deGrom. I'm just going to say it. Get one and yeah, one. Yeah, because deGrom should be great in quality starts and walks, especially um, you know, for a high-volume reliever where or starter, whereas you look at like... you Darvish has had some control issues. Trevor Bauer has had some control issues. You know, I, I could... The, the second tier starting pitchers being hurt just a little bit by walks because they're going to throw so many innings. This next one's from Arch, Dear Justin, Max, and David. That is actually a Tigers World Series rotation. I, you know, so I, was, I was wondering. I was not looking ahead. <laughs> I was not looking ahead, but that one is definitely Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and David Price. Okay. Price, so Price was fun, with them together. That's a fun coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. He there was in is. the... He was in one of their World Series runs. Head-to-head points league. Would you be comfortable with these eight pitchers? We can only have eight starting pitchers on our roster. Hyunjin Ryu, Zach Gallen, Zach Plesak, Jack Flaherty, Mike Soroka, Corey Kluber, Bryce Wilson, Ryan Yarbrough, with Luis Severino on my IL in a dynasty league. So Ryu, Gallen, Plesak, Flaherty. You don't have a bona fide ace a top five type starting pitcher. Yeah. But you have a few really good ones. Yeah. I mean, you got three guys who are definitely in my top 20 or 25. I think Ryu might be just outside. Um, I think this is pretty good though. It's, I think it's fine. Um, You've got four guys who should be pretty good. And then some wild cards. Um, This does remind me, I think in the, in that Raz slam best ball draft, I think I took Severino, Syndergaard, and Sale. Oh my god! I'm, well, it could uh, it could pay off in in the second half of the season. Yeah, but. it might be like I I, I stink <laughs> for the first half, and then those guys shoot up like a rocket ship. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's all right. And, and plus, you have Severino; he's still pretty young, and and he has a history of being an elite starting pitcher. He's coming back from major injuries, so. I don't know if he will get back to the same level he was before, but that is the hope. This next one's from Andrew in Detroit. Dear Miguel, Justin, and Willie. Why are we getting so much Detroit stuff today? Oh, David Price wasn't on one of their World Series teams, but he was in that on that team when Scherzer and Verlander were there. Well, Andrew um, in Detroit, this is this is Miguel Cabrera, Justin Verlander. Yeah, it seems like Miguel Cabrera, Justin Turn or Justin Verlander, and then I have no idea who Willie is. Now I'm stumped. Willie. It's not Willie Castro because he, he does not have an E on the end of his name. No. And those would just be Tigers. Willie. I don't know. Someone's yelling at their phone right now while they're listening to us. I'm in a 10-team 10 10 head-to-head points league, and I have the first pick. I am going to use Scott's method of drafting five of my first six picks as pitchers. I was wondering who you guys would take as a high upside value hitter to take between rounds four and six as my first hitter. So this is a 10 team league. So anyone who goes between picks 40 and 60 as a high upside head to head points bet. Yeah. And it's, it's head to head points. So, you know, the, the order's a little different, but if Aaron judges there, I think he's the answer. That's a good call. Um, 
Yeah, I think George Springer could also be. I think Vladimir Guerrero, if you really just want to shoot for the moon. Um, or Marcelo Zuna. Any of those guys. Um, you know, Springer's sneaky good in points because of the batting leadoff part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, volume is key for points leagues. Obviously, plate discipline helps as well. Springer's going to walk a lot. He's going to score a lot of runs with the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm looking through our most recent mock draft. Bo Bichette has upside, but he's not necessarily built for this format because he doesn't walk all that much. Yeah, doesn't walk. So doesn't I, have a low strikeout rate. I do like Judge and Springer more than him, as well as Azuna. Uh, anyone else here? No, I mean, I think the names you gave were probably... Probably the best. Yeah, ones. I think if you can get Judge, uh, that's the way I would go. Um, and if not Springer, Marcelo Zuna, or Rafael Devers, you know he doesn't walk a ton either. But um, you know he was very, very good in 2019. This next one's from Jeremy with a lot of ones after his name. I didn't want to count how many ones, but it looked something like 20 of them. 14-team head-to-head points league. I am keeping Yoan Moncada with two utility spots, but no corner infielder or middle infielder. Standard point scoring. I find the hitters I like in the first few rounds are third baseman. Should I take best player available and fill up my two utility spots while doing so, or look to another position who I view slightly less than those third basemen so I have more flexibility later in the draft? So probably talking about Names like Anthony Rendon or Alex Bregman yeah, or Devers, Devers. Yeah. maybe even Arenado if, if this person likes him. Uh, so how do you feel about that, Chris? You know, filling up your third base spot and your utility with someone like Moncada early on in the draft. So the thing about waiting around for flexibility is you're, you're basically working under the hope, really, not even assumption, but hope that by the time you want to fill your utility spot, the best player available will be someone who's already of it, who plays a position that you've already filled. Um, and you might end up being forced to take a second baseman instead of a really good third baseman later in the draft. But when you're talking about Bregman, Rendon, Arenado, LeMahieu, um, you know, Vlad Jr., if he's rel- uh I can't think of the word eligible at that position. Um, Like those are really good players and you want really good players. And I don't have a huge problem filling my utility spot early. I mean, this is a podcast that, you know, endorses taking Nelson Cruz, Jordan Alvarez, JD Martinez, and Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, So I, I don't think we're opposed to filling that utility spot early if you can get them. Um, and I, I think Bregman, Rendon, and especially Devers are really good values this year. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think I might actually have Devers slightly higher than Bregman and Rendon in my rankings. Um, but especially in points league, Chris, he was I mean, awesome. In- Rendon and Bregman are just so good in that format that yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't fair. think, twi- I wouldn't think twice about it. And, and you have two utility spots. So even if, Bregman and Rendon occupy third base. You have Moncada in one of your utility spots. You could still even grab another utility only bat later on in your draft or, you know, whatever other player at a position you already have that, that falls to a good value. So especially with two utility spots, I wouldn't overthink this, Jeremy. To, to answer the question in a shorter way, yes, you should take the best player available. There you go. That's all we needed. Uh, let's quickly... You know, until, until you reach a point where it's not where it hurts your team, but that usually doesn't happen. Let's quickly promote a few things. A quick reminder that our Fantasy Baseball Today draft prep guide is free, and of course, it is available now. You might be drafting this weekend. You might have your draft right after you listen to this mailbag podcast or the day after, Saturday or Sunday this weekend. I'm sure many people are going to be drafting, uh, so go get our draft prep guide. The link for that is cbsports.com slash fbbdraftkit, and you can find all of our rankings inside of it, salary cap values, draft strategies, tiers, and so much more. I was going to tell people to sign up for our newsletters, but you've already done that. If you are watching this and you aren't subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you doing? Sign up. 
subscribe, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Hit that little subscribe button, then hit the bell right next to it, and you will get a notification every time we go live or every time we drop another video, something like our fantasy baseball today and five videos that have been going up on this channel as well. If you are watching, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the podcast, we are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we will get to your new regulators slash fantasy cops segment next fantasy baseball today the all-new hyundai 2024 santa fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family the all-new hyundai santa fe's features like available h-track all-wheel drive standard third row seating available dual wireless charging pads nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors whether it's camping hiking river rafting or anything in between with third row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. So we've received two questions that you guys used to refer to as regulators, but... For copyright purposes, we had to retire the regulators. Adam now calls it Fantasy Cops on Fantasy Football Today, and it's awesome. I think it's a great bit. I'm not going to steal it from Adam. That's his thing. So what I'm thinking I'm going to go with, tell me if I'm crazy here, Chris. It's definitely not as fun or creative as Adam, but Fantasy Justice for All. It's a little play on the Metallica album and Justice for All. I'm a big Metallica fan, greatest band ever. Have no problem saying that. That's how I feel. Fantasy justice for all is exactly what we are going to call this. Uh, and I do have a little bit of a sound by here that we can use every time we introduce it. There you go. Some epic music. If you want to make something better, if you're creative enough to do so, send it in. We'll use it. Feel free to do so. Uh, all right, I'm, so I'm trying to think of like metallica songs that would work for fantasy baseball yeah um just if you are going to make a drop and send it to us do not use any metallica riffs because they've sued people for other things before and <laughs> i don't really want to get involved with that so <laughs> keep that in mind that's exactly why i did not use any type of metallica thing myself this one is from somebody who would like to and, and this is of course these are questions that are not really fantasy related they're more so about like the commissioner or Something yeah. weird that's going on in your fantasy league. This one is from somebody who would like to remain nameless, residing somewhere in the Midwest. Are you a geography guy, Chris? Because I'm not. Uh, this is something that Heath uh, used to make fun of me about. Um, but being that I am a coastal elite, uh, you know, living in my fancy Brooklyn, uh, you know, third floor high rise. Um, in my brain, the Midwest basically stretches from like Western Pennsylvania to Colorado. So like 60% of the geographic, like, like Montana might be in the Midwest. I don't know. Abby's. So, um, you're preaching I'm to the gonna choir. Say, I'm going to say Jackson Hole, Nevada. All righty. That's what we'll go with. I have been in a 15-team Roto Keeper oh, League. That's in Wyoming. That's in <laughs> Wyoming. I'm an idiot. Wyoming. I have been in a 15-team. Still the Midwest. Still the Midwest. 15-team Roto Keeper League with the same 15 guys since 2006. Last year, some league members did not want to play, uh, play the league out since it would impact our minor league system so greatly, among other things. Out of the 15, nine of us did a separate draft just so we had something to root for. Now, I never won this league out of the 16 years of its existence. I ended up winning the league last year. Besides a nice cash prize, the winner also gets the trophy, the league trophy engraved, engraved with their name and year and gets to keep the trophy during the season until we all get together the following year when the trophy is moved to the new winner. 
The commissioner has said my name will be going on the trophy in preparations for this year's draft. This has angered some league members because it wasn't winning our, quote, league. <laughs> some won an asterisk put on the trophy next to my name. What would you say? I mean, like, <laughs> if they're going to be babies about it, put an asterisk on it. Who cares? Uh, but, like, also don't be a baby about it. Like, it doesn't matter either way. Just, like, who cares? Put an asterisk on it. I mean, it's kind of relevant, right? I mean, the whole Hall of Fame discussion with steroids and stuff. Not, I mean, it's... This I was just like, what, what does an asterisk mean? Like, oh, well, that didn't happen. Wink, wink. Like, no, we yeah. all know. Like, we all... It's like, it's like NCAA, like, expunging their record books. Like, oh, Reggie Bush never played for USC. That's stupid. Like, we all know he did. This, this is meaningless... Put the asterisk on it if they're going to complain about it, but they shouldn't complain about it. It's fine. Agreed. Fantasy justice has been served. For whom the bell tolls. (laughs) Oh, he has a second question. Also, I'm trying to figure something out that should probably be simple. A player goes for $5 in a 12-team league. In theory, should he go for more or less in a 15-team league? He should go for He should go for more. No, you should go for less. Because you are stretching the player pool wider. Yeah. So assuming assuming your budget is the same. Yeah. Um, 260 standard. Yeah, I think, you know, we talk about, and this is reflected in my uh, salary cap values in a head-to-head fo- points league because you have fewer roster spots and the player pool is smaller. Um, you should spend more on your high-end players. And in a roto league, you spend a little less. So I think that, uh, also applies for a 15-team league because you're, well... Well, you, I think you just proved the point, Chris, because in, in a shallower league, you're, you're spending up higher because the players you can get later are going to be better players for cheaper. Yeah. So in a 15-team league, people are not going to spend as much on the high end. I mean, you're going to see people be yeah. very stringent with... They're going to have caps where, okay, DeGrom's probably not going to go for more than $45. Not like some of the crazy amounts that we've seen in salary yeah. cap drafts that we've done. So I punched these these um, salary cap draft projections into the um, the auction calculator on fan graphs using yeah. ATC projections. And Cabrian Hayes was a $5 player. Kind of flattens it out. Yeah, Cabrian Hayes was a, t- a $5 player in a 12-team league, and he was a $9 player in a 15-team league. That makes sense, yeah. I guess it, it flattens it out so that the higher guys are lower, the lows are higher. Because, um, you know, the the gap between that five dollar player in a twelve team league and the one dollar players is much bigger in a fifteen team league. So I guess that makes sense. We have another fantasy justice for all question. This one's from Cote. C O T E Cote. I guess that's how you would go with that. Cody? Cody? All right. Cote. Well, there's you know Greg Cody. There's from the Levitard show, Greg Cody. It's the only time I've seen that word. Need an opinion. We have a points league with two new managers entering a 12-man dynasty league. One team is decisively better than the other, so we thought to redraft the two teams between the two managers. This may be a bit confusing, but team A gets pick one, and team B gets pick two and three, and then team A gets pick four, and then the picks go back and forth. So pick five is team B, six would be team A, so far and so far and so forth. Um what are your thoughts? It's snake format for the first two rounds and then yeah. just alternating. What are your thoughts? And do you think this is fair? We thought this was kind of fair to even out the higher end talent from the previous owners. I recently joined Scott White's Dynasty League and there were there was me and, and two other new owners and uh, league managers. And that's exactly what we did. We had a, a draft similar to this. I had the first pick. The next person had two picks. And then whoever was picking third had three picks. And then I think we just went back to me after that. But yeah, I think this is fine. I don't I don't see an I issue here. I think Team B probably has a slight advantage if you're looking at like they get two and three plus five, seven, eight, nine, eleven. So Team A has the highest pick, but then they have the lower pick every other time. So um, should you do one? Two picks and then two picks and then one, 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 one like that. I yeah, I think it should be A, B, B, A, A, B, A, B. I think that's but I it could also you could snake it further in the draft. It it probably doesn't matter all that much, but maybe you go you do 
uh, three rounds of a snake or four rounds of a snake, and then you go alternating. I, I, it probably doesn't make that big of a difference. And, um, you know, there, if people quit the league, I'm going to guess there aren't that many great players. Fantasy justice has been served. Master. Master. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Let's hit some of your emails. This one is from Sean Millerick, who actually wrote this beauty. Dear CJ, Mike, Paul, and JT. CJ, JT Real Muto, CJ, uh, CJ McCollum, Mike Jordan, and Paul O'Neill. Uh, hope no, you- <laughs> I think these are Marlins catchers. JT Real I think Muto. it's Charles Johnson, Mike Piazza, Paula Duca, and JT Real Muto. Oh, I know man. Sean is a, I believe he is a Marlins fan. Paul uh, So I, mm, I wow. th- think that's what he's going for. Yes. It's I, Mike Piazza's legendary run as a Florida Marlin. <laughs> Might be. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Have always wanted to ask about something. My 10 team head to head points has a rule where we have specific outfield spots, left field, center field, and right field. How much should I adjust outfield outfielders in rankings as a result? For example, seeing Yaz as just about must roster thoughts. I have never played in a league like this, Chris. I have always wanted to play in a league like this. Scrap the three outfielders, make it specific left field, center field, and right field. I guess it gets wonky for guys who kind of play all over the outfield, but I've always wanted to play in a league like this and I never have. Yeah, there will be multi-eligible guys. Um, I'm, and you fill in for about 12 more seconds while I, I try to, load something into Excel. Yeah, let's figure it out. I Let's look up how many games Mike Yastrzemski played at each, each outfield spot last season, and I will try to f- figure that out while I am talking to you here. But of course, Mike Yastrzemski is... Because our, our rankings uh, in our back-end tool actually do separate out by position. So Mike Trout's a center fielder, wants to a left fielder, etc. So I want to, you know, just kind of Take a quick look. Mike Yastrzemski um, played 24 games in center field last year. I did not know hmm. that. He played 31 games in right field. So I guess it depends how much eligibility you need from the, the season before. But either way, he's going. Mike Yastrzemski is probably going to have center field and right field eligibility in this format. And, and it's his, his prefer, preferred format. Yastrzemski is great in points leagues. All right. So my number 12 center fielder is my number 181 player overall, my number 46 outfielder. So center field seems, uh, this is in a points format, does seem a little weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, my number 12 left fielder is Kyle Schwarber, who's my number 35 outfielder overall. So I'm going to guess right field is overrepresented and center field is a little underrepresented based on this. Yeah. If you can get um, Yastrzemski as a center fielder based on him playing 24 games last year, I love it. Yeah, he's uh, he's my number 11 right fielder, but he's the number 29 uh, um, right fielder. Is he? Yeah. So he's listed as a right fielder in, in our leagues, at least, primarily. Um, so, you know, I, I think... You know, there there are a couple of guys like Kevin Biggio and Brandon Lau who are outfield eligible, but, you know, are primary position otherwise. But um, I think I, I would say right field seems the strongest of them. This next one is from, I did not write your name down, so I apologize. But they said, Dear Al, Kevin, AJ, Annabelle, Henderson, and Edison. There are so many. It's all Marlins and Tigers today. These are Marlins pitchers. Al Leiter, Kevin Brown, AJ Burnett, Anibal Sanchez, Henderson Alvarez, and Edinson Volquez. Do you know what they all have in common? You probably do not because they you are not a Marlins fan. are all, I was going to say right-handed pitchers, but Al Leiter is not. Yeah. That's not the answer. They are the Marlins pitchers, and this is from Sean as well. Well, um, these are the Marlins pitchers who have thrown a no hitter. Oh. Uh, 
in a game. Did I really the, take two questions from Sean? Wow. I'm so nice. Yeah. The um, <laughs> I, I believe that. the list for the Mets would be quite a bit shorter. It's just one name, right? Uh, Yeah. I think it's, what is it, Johan Santana? Johan Santana is the only Mets no-hitter, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Working on my draft ranks and found myself wondering how the pros do it. How do you stay disciplined slash focused when putting these together? For example, I don't, quote, like Trent Grisham or Denelson Lamet, but figured I had to be wrong when I realized I made it to 92 without thinking about them. So they're just kind of chucked in there in the mid-90s on my list. Also feel like I always hit a point where I'm just listing players I've heard of more than really thinking. Tends to be when I go to bed. <laughs> Guess this uh, is a process question more than anything. Uh, how many days go into your initial ranks? Do you do your position list first, then the master one, or vice versa? I do the master one first. Um, and, you know, the, the hard thing about rankings is like, I've been dealing with this with, with my early football rankings, where I'm doing projections for those and then ranking based off that. And like I have Jonathan Taylor 14th, which is super low relative to everyone else. He's like number eight or, or higher for most other people. Um, and I have Cam Akers 19. And it's like, wow, why am I so low on these guys? And then I look at it and it's like, well, number 19 is like 13 points behind number 10 or something. Uh, and so we have these ordinal ranking lists, one, two, three, four, five. But for me, the gap between Ronald Acuna and Jose Ramirez is $2 in my salary cap values, but it's eight spots or seven spots. So, you know, I, I think, you know, when he says sometimes it feels like I'm just throwing players in, sometimes there aren't, aren't real differences with players. And we'll get a question like, why do you have this guy 140 and this guy 165? And it's like, it doesn't really matter. Like there's not really, you know, you reach a point where the differences between players are very slim. Um, so I, I don't think like, I wouldn't say your process is wrong if you're doing it. You just have to, you know, go through and, and make sure it makes sense. But the way I started my prospect, my rankings this year was, and I think it's probably very different from Scott and Frank's. Um, but I basically compiled all of the ADP data that I could, all of the projections that I could and kind of did a weighted measure for those. And that was my starting point. And obviously then I, you know, I don't like Trent Grisham or Denelson Lamette, just like Sean, but they ended up really high in those things because they're projected and, and ranked pretty high. So I moved them down and that's where personal preference comes in. Um, and that was more just for like an ease of use kind of thing uh, rather than having to, come up with the the list of players that was more just to get a list of players um but yeah uh i i think you know throwing in a trent grisham or denelson like how do you stay disciplined if you don't like trent grisham and you think he's the number 93 player you should have him as 93 and you should stand by it um i know scott somewhat disagrees he tries to reflect how drafts will go in addition to his personal rankings but for me, at least, you know, players are ranked where I, I think they should be. I don't really worry about where they're going or where other people have them ranked. So I would say that I probably use a process that's similar to yours, Chris. It's not, I don't aggregate it as accurately. I don't have mm -hmm. ADP and projections all combined together, but I am looking at all of those things while I'm making yeah. my decisions for rankings. So I guess once ADP came out with the early mock drafts back in like October and NFB yeah. NFBC drafts started happening in November. I'm taking notes and I'm probably using that as a jumping off point. But then as projections start to come out, Seamer projections come out usually in December or ATC, a few other projections come out a couple of later on, uh, a couple of months later on. I will use those projections. I will use the, the fan graphs auction calculator and um, kind of see how their, their values spit out there. And yeah. of course, I will do the research for each player. I mean, you know, you hear it yeah. when we do our position previews. I mean, we're deep diving all these players. And I've looked at, you know, last 162 for a lot of guys and uh, underlying skills, strikeout rate, swinging strike rate for pitchers and uh, walk rate, contact rate for hitters, looking a lot at StatCast stuff to see, you know, what stands out to me, what doesn't. And ultimately, while there's not 
just a formula that I have, like an algorithm, it's all of those things combined, looking at splits as yeah. well, and just kind of forming this opinion on that player. And if I like them more than ADP, then I move them up higher in my rankings. And that's basically how I do it. Uh, this, yeah. this next one's from David. I'm in a 14-team head-to-head points keeper league. We each keep five players, and I kept Garrett Cole, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty and Sonny Gray. Due to trades and keeper rules, I will only have five picks in the first 12 rounds. Round 6, 8, 9, 11, and 12. In rounds 13 to 20, however, I will have 13 picks. This includes seven picks in rounds 14 to 17. Given my keepers and where most of my picks will fall, who are some guys that I can target in that round 14 to 17 range? Picks 196 to 238 who can be every week's starters. This will help me determine what to target with my early, with my few early picks. So, so this is worth keeping in mind. Usually when we're talking about keepers, you're talking about inflated prices Mm -hmm. uh, because those players aren't on the board. But in this case, you know, keeping Garrett Cole presumably costs him a first round pick. Mm -hmm. Keeping Juan Soto presumably costs him a second, et cetera. So players should generally go more or less where they should. There will be, you know, relative to ADP player values will be inflated just because you'll have, you know, someone who has Fernando Tatis as a 14th round pick or whatever, if he kept him from 2018 through now or something like that. Um, As far as the answer to this question, you know, looking at ADP, some names that stand out um, among pitchers, Marco Gonzalez, Mike Soroka should get there eventually. Uh, Frankie Montas. You'd hope Shohei Otani. I really like Herman Marquez. I not. I don't necessarily think he's an every week starter, but he's a must start guy when he's on the road. Um, Aaron Savale. Tyler Malley. I like Aaron Savale. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, actually, like him a lot uh, lately. Framber Valdez. Actually, you know, I, I don't know if he'll actually fall there, but it sounds like he. Um, he may not be out for the year, which uh, did you guys talk about that on Wednesday's podcast or, or did we talk about that on Thursday's podcast that we haven't recorded yet? We spoke about it on uh, Thursday morning's podcast, which okay, good. most people probably good. have heard by now. Good. good. Scott, Scott's uh, very excited. Don't you? I, I made the mistake of talking, talking down for Amber Valdez and he, Scott did not like that. So yeah, I, I think for Amber Valdez, you know, should be ranked higher than this, you know, and, and he will be moving forward. I'm not sure he's a top 100 pick for me. I would imagine he is for Scott. Um, but, you know, if, if he does fall there, I think that's a good one. And then on the hitter side, um, you know, you're always going to be looking at players with flaws in this kind of range. But Christian Vasquez at catcher, Victor Robles, I really like. Um, I think there's huge steals potential there. Dylan Carlson. Max Kepler's kind of a boring guy, but he could be, he should be an every week starter. Clint Frazier, uh, Miguel Sano, if you need power. AJ Pollock is probably underrated um, at 181 in ADP. And I think the same can be said of Josh Donaldson. There are playing time concerns for both, though. Andrew McCutcheon, I'll throw out there. He's boring, but he'll be reliable. Austin Riley, I think, can work his way into being an every week kind of starting player. I don't know that that will be the case. Right from the get-go, a little bit further down, uh, Nick Senzel is someone that is I'm getting pretty excited about. Andrew Vaughn can work his way into being a starter on your fantasy teams as well. Of course, the White mm-hmm. Sox top prospect, so we're excited about him. Even further down, Aaron Hicks. They're talking about him batting third for the Yankees. Mitch Hanniger yep. uh, could lead off for the Seattle Mariners. So those were a few names that also stood out to me. This one's from- I'll, I'll throw out uh, Tommy LaStella, who's going in the 300 range, but looks like he should be the everyday leadoff hitter for the Giants. And um, I I think he's one of the best values in drafts right now. This one's from RD. I am in a 12-team head-to-head, 5 by 5 salary cap keeper league. Mouthful. What is the money limit to keeping closers, particularly someone like Trevor Rosenthal? So I have Rosenthal for $10. Scott has him for 12 and Chris has him for three. Yeah, I'm I'm lower on closers, I think, across the board than either of you. Um, and 
my gut is to say for Rosenthal, like if you could keep Rosenthal for three, I think that'd be fine. I, I probably wouldn't be super interested in keeping any closer for more than about $5. Like if I had Liam Hendricks or Josh Hader for $5, obviously I would keep them. But for the most part, you'll closers will fall in your, in your uh, draft and you'll be able to get some for that price if you want them. This one's from Ian McCoy, 14 team head to head categories league where you roster six starting pitchers. Would you feel comfortable with a pitching staff of Strasburg, Plesak, Glassnow, Lament, Arias, Dunning. I know it's a lot of names you guys like. What? But I feel like they are all also big question marks. So I'm in a bit of a panic post draft. I mean, are these yeah, guys that we like? I mean, we like, like, Scott really likes Plezak. I think we all like Glass now. I think we have questions about uh, innings. Yeah. Um, we all liked Strasburg before the calf injury. Yep. Um, uh, there is an episode of 30 Rock, which I'm in the process of rewatching, where they, uh, their parent company, NBC's parent company, Cable Town with a K, uh, decides to expand into Couch Town with a K, and they create a, a made in American couch. Um, and it is sitting in it is described as, um, you know, like a, a, like the kind of torture positions that get used at various black sites. And that is how I feel when you ask if I feel comfortable with a pitching staff of Strasburg, Plezak, Glasnow, Lamette, Arias, and Dunning. And I don't say that to, you know, necessarily be super critical of your team because I think that could be really good. There's a ton of potential there. It's all boomer bust. When you ask if I'm comfortable, the answer is pretty obviously no. I'm very uncomfortable if that's my pitching staff. Um, but that looks more like a pitching staff I would build than one Frank or Scott would build. Yeah, too risky for me, even in a 14-team league. There's huge upside. Again, this is this is boomer bust. I mean, your pitching staff could be the best two months into the season, or you might be missing uh, Strasburg, Glasnow, and Denelson Lamette, and, and you're going to be left scrambling on the waiver wire. So, And please, I could have a 470 RA. All possible. This one's from Todd in London. Hey, guys, thanks so much for all the draft prep you've been doing. I'm in an 11-team OBP Roto Keeper League and have a question about how to approach the turn. Because it's a keeper, the talent distribution is kind of strange, and the big three starters will definitely be drafted by my picks at 11 and 12. The best starting pitchers available are Darvish and Bauer. Should I take them both at 11-12, or should I go Darvish and a bat there? Looking at ADP slash Yahoo ranks, the best bats available are likely to be Lindor, Harper, or Machado. My keepers all in later rounds are Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Cody Bellinger, Keston Hira, Luke Voigt, and Corbin Burns. Yeah, you should take Darvish and Bauer. I agree. <laughs> that one, well, like, once you get to the end of that question, you're like, oh, your, your offense is already awesome. You should probably like would, take pitchers. <laughs> it would be awesome to get you know, in an OBP league, like it would be awesome to get Bryce Harper uh, with an 11th or 12th pick, but mm-hmm. I think you got to go pitching. But what I would suggest here is once you've got Darvish, Bauer and Burns, I'm good. I'm good until like the 12th pick. I'm I'm going to keep focusing on offense there. Even with Tati, Soto, Bellinger, etc. I'm that is such a good start at starting pitcher mm-hmm. that uh, I'm comfortable, you know, waiting until like if I can get Sandy Alcantara in the tenth round, and you know have then three guys who I feel really good about throwing a lot of innings, plus Corbin Burns, who I, I think is a star. I'm I that's kind of like that's pretty close to like my ideal starting pitcher build in an eleven team league. I. I might want to grab at least one more a little bit earlier at the, maybe not your 3-4 turn, but the 5-6 if you can get a a Paddock or whoever you like in that range. Kyle Hendricks, Zach Wheeler, Jose Barrios, Charlie Morton, if you like him as well. Um, I, I would probably look to grab at least one more top 30-ish starting pitcher there to, to pair with those other three that you already have. Uh, this one's from Matt. Dear Dwight, Jim, and Andy. That's from uh, That's from Seinfeld, right? Yeah, (laughs) it's a late reaction. Always great. Uh, So listening to the pod, I was reading the email. (laughs) (laughs) So listening to the pod today, uh, been loving each day, by the way, about strategy. 
This might have came in a while ago. And as I've heard all spring long about how everyone is paying up for big-time starting pitchers and going after them early, when I hear you guys mentioning to zig when everyone else zags, this is perfect that Chris is on. I'm happy you're here for this. Yeah, that's just that's <laughs> not you guys. That's just me. It's just you. They're 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 zagging. Is this Frank a, and Scott are just zagging? Is this a year to maybe load up on hitting early and obviously based upon the league settings, wait to wait on starting pitcher and load up on closers later in the draft by drafting four to five elite relievers, loading saves early, then trading them off for a starting pitcher later on in the year. As long as you have enough innings to meet the league minimum, wouldn't the strategy be a way to combat everyone going after starters so early? I never thought about it this way because, I mean, this is even different than what you would do, Chris, because, I mean, he's talking about investing in, in closers, which you wouldn't, you would say not to do either, but... If you can yeah. load up on those, build up a huge lead in saves, and then trade them off for elite starting pitchers, I don't know how realistic it is to do that, but... That's it, the thing. It sounds like an interesting strategy. It, you know, I, I have this reaction every time there's like a, a contract. This happens a lot in the NBA where it's like, well, it might be an overpay, or this guy might not be good, but we can use him as trade bait later. Uh, and like, if you're acquiring a player with the intention of trading them later, you probably just shouldn't acquire that player. <laughs> um, and you should just try to acquire, um, you know, like my, my strategy is loading up on hitting early when everybody's going for starting pitchers, but it's also avoiding relievers entirely so that I can still compete at starting pitcher while not investing as much as everyone else. So, you know, you have to make a sacrifice somewhere and, relievers have such relatively little value uh, compared to hitters and starting pitchers over the course of a season that I, I would, um, I just think investing in them is, is not worthwhile. This last one that we're going to take today is from Brendan who made us this awesome rhythm of the night compilation last year. I'll play a little snippet of it. I have it pulled up here. Fernando Tatis, Tatis, Tatis. I don't know what you did against Scott White to like come out of his shell. All the dramatic things I've ever seen. A double dunk. Not horrible, but uh, you know, underwhelming. Well, his voice sounds like hot garbage. I know you want to say this is the rhythm of the night. Oh my good goodness gracious! Scott White after dark. Oh, I was banging it hard. Great. Can you believe this with Aaron Judge? Yes. <laughs> I can't. Do your homework, sir. Adam. Adam. I want to crush his soul. Aren't you kind of like a fantasy dictator? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not just for sex appeal. <laughs> his very presence. An uplifting adventure. Bye-bye. It's not just for sex appeal, Chris. That was great stuff. Uh, so let's help Brandon out, and we'll wrap up here. I'm in a 10-team head-to-head points keeper league where we decided to have the last four to five rounds of a 25-round draft become keeper picks. Keep two out of those five rounds for the next year in the same round as long as you keep that player on your roster all year. Guys I'm targeting are definitely Jared Kelnick, Andrew Vaughn, Mackenzie Gore, Casey Mize, Dylan Carlson, etc., but I am interested to hear in this format what players you, Scott, and Chris would take as keepers in a head-to-head points 10-teamer within rounds 20 to 25. So between picks 200 and 250, anyone that stands out there, Chris, who you would hold on to all year long that might be worth keeping for the following year. And Scott and I recently had a conversation about Casey Mize on our Prospect podcast. Yep. I am I'm pretty down on him. And the the uh, control has been way de- way off in the spring. I didn't like what I saw last year, and it's just something about guys that rely on their splitter so much. Chris, it's it's different if it's okay. Frankie Montas throws it fifteen to twenty percent of the time. It's his second or third offering. But Kevin Gosman, you have seen the inconsistency year in and year out. It is so hard to command a splitter that you throw forty percent of the time. And I kind of feel that that is the route that Casey Mize is going down. He's also had shoulder injuries as well. So uh, you can talk about Casey Mize if you want and any other prospects in that range. Yeah, I like Casey Mize quite a bit. Um, you know, I've done a couple prospects drafts where he's been a target of mine. I, I'm 
happy to take him in the later rounds or reserve rounds in a in any league. And you know, the biggest thing for me is his velocity has been up in, in spring. So that makes me think that he is at least right now healthy. And, you know, he throws a splitter 18% of the time, but, you know, he's really got a legitimate four or five pitch mix. Um, you know, his, his arsenal reminds me of Max Scherzer. Sheesh. Casey you know, Wise, huh? It's, oh, Chris is breaking up here. Chris, are you here? Curveball. Chris is breaking uh, up. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm here. He's back. Am I here? Yeah, you, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I like Casey Mize quite a bit. Um, the Arsenal kind of reminds me of, like, there's some Max Scherzer there. He's a, a big, intimidating presence on the mound. Throws hard. He's got that, uh, you know, power Arsenal with the 80, you know, 90 mile an hour cutter or, you know, 80, 80 to 86 to 90 mile an hour cutter, uh, 86 mile an hour splitter, 81 mile an hour curveball. And the velocity's back this spring, which is a big thing because, like you said, he has dealt with shoulder issues um, dating back to college, I believe. But he's averaging like 95 miles per hour with his fastball in spring compared to 93.6 last season. So he's definitely a buy-low target of mine. I I would say the name that immediately stands out to me for this question when you're talking about from the 200 to 250 range, guys who you might want to keep for next year, uh, it's Joe Adele, who... Is but still one of the best prospects. What's that? This is a points league, though, Chris. So if you lose points for a strikeout, I mean, look. If if Joe Adele becomes the Joe Adele we hope he will be, I don't think it's going to be an issue whether it's a points or head-to-head uh, or roto league. Um, and look, I, he struck out a ton last year. I think he had only played like 180 games as a professional before that. He was 21 years old, so. Uh, I love drafting Joe Adele in the late rounds and in this format, you know, assuming you can keep him on your bench for the first month of the season when he's not likely to be with the team. Um, I, I think that could be one of the absolute, you know, best values in that range. I stand corrected on uh, Casey Mize. I misspoke. I, I, I really thought he used the splitter much more than he actually does, but yeah, 18%. So I will, uh, I will, Go back on what I said there, but uh, the command, the control, control still has, has been, been bad, and it's weird for him because I mean his control has been so good in the minors, so it yeah. you know it should it should bounce back, it should regress positively, but um, I think honestly just between the two, I would take Ter- Tarek Skubal over uh, Casey Mize right now, just based on everything I've seen and yeah. working with driveline baseball this offseason. he's looked really good in the spring too. Not that I want to put too much stock into that, but. I, I really like what I've seen from Scooble. So I'll throw his name in there. I will obviously Wander Franco goes a little bit outside of 250, but if he's available, uh, that's a no brainer. Andrew Vaughn, you brought yep. up uh, Austin Riley, I think still is technically a prospect ish kind of guy. Nick Senzel, a name that we've talked a lot about I'm trying to think of uh, Bobby Witt. But don't definitely. just think, don't just think, don't just think of prospects. Luis Severino, Noah Syndergaard and Chris sale would all be great picks in that 20 to 25 round range. Sure. Uh, Severino is ranked highest of them, followed by Syndergaard and then Sale for me. Um, and, you know, you, you know, with Syndergaard, you may only have to stash him for a month. And then you may have a, a top 15 pitcher for start for 2021 uh, second half and then all of 2022 for, a, you know, 22nd round pick. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. He recently put out a video of him throwing off of the mound, and he was wearing a shirt, so I was actually proud of Noah Syndergaard for that. (laughs) We're going to wrap there. For Chris, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We will not be on the podcast tomorrow. You will hear Danny Vietti and Will Middlebrooks. They are previewing the National League Central from an actual baseball perspective, but you will hear us again on Monday. Bye-bye. 